Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamelyn Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Want to Want It. I really first want to say thank you so much to people who have reached out and been so positive about the podcast and so complimentary. And I just appreciate you listening and I hope that it is helpful for people. It has certainly been a comedy of errors at my end. I am learning to be tech savvy. Certainly have a long ways to go, so please stay with me. While I make many, many blunders and mistakes, and hopefully the content will make up for my amateur efforts. Today on episode number three, I want to talk about sexual breaks and sexual accelerators. This is a concept that I've given webinars on and I talk often to my clients about. And in reality, you can use this concept with anything in your life that you desire. So even if it isn't um, about sex, it just really could be desire breaks and desire accelerators. So use it how you will. I first learned about this idea from Emily Nagoski's book called Come As You Are. And she's the one who talked about this idea of breaks and accelerators when it comes to sexual desire. So you have to think about your sexual desire like a car that is either moving you towards sex or holding you back from it. As I talk today about this topic, I am going to just kind of use generalizations about women and men. I appreciate that it probably isn't true for everybody, but as far as the majority goes, I'm going to use these generalizations. And that is that men in general, not all men, but in general, Men have very sensitive sexual accelerators and women have very sensitive brakes. So if you think about your a vehicle and how you have a gas pedal and a brake pedal, most men's gas pedal is really sensitive. It doesn't take much to get them moving towards more desire and, and more sex. Women, on the other hand, have much more sensitive brakes. It doesn't take much to stop that desire and to pull them away from wanting to move towards sex. Now, again, like I've mentioned before, sex has been studied most often using men as the standard, as kind of the normal, the reference. And so when you look at most of the advice that's given to women about sex, it's the same advice that they would give men. Put more pressure on the accelerator because your accelerator is already really sensitive. So that's kind of the advice that they give women all the time is do something that's going to increase your acceleration towards sex. But I want you to think about how a vehicle actually works. If you're in your car and you put your foot on the brake and put the car into drive, if you keep your foot on the brake, it won't move. If you keep your foot on the brake and pound the gas, it still won't move. But if you put it into drive and just take your foot off the brake, the car will naturally start to move forward even without you putting any pressure on the gas pedal. So the key for most women actually is to first learn how to get your foot off the brake. 
before you start worrying about how to accelerate your desire, if, if you can get your foot off the brake, that will start you rolling in the right direction. Now, there are lots of things for women that are common breaks, things that will hold them back. Anxiety is one. Stress, right? You've got lots going on with work and your kids and your church calling. Overwhelm, right? It just feels like there's just too much to do and so little time and you're always trying to outrun overwhelm. That is a break. It will distract you and pull you away from sex. Physical exhaustion, just being so tired. Illness or pain or chronic pain. Distractions are something that are huge for women. I know for myself, if all my kids are up and moving around the house, even late at night when my teenage boys think they don't need to go to bed, that's a distraction for me. That's a break. Another distraction can be just your brain suddenly being like, did I turn off the oven? I forgot to take care of that thing. And you're just kind of in this distracted mode in your brain. Bad smells are a huge break for women. Bad breath or bad body odor. Or if they worry that they have bad breath or bad body odor. Being self-conscious about her body. That's another reason why a woman will, will kind of pull away is I don't really want him to like see this part of me. I need all the lights out. All of that kind of stuff can make it really difficult to move towards sex. And then obviously... Negative thoughts about sex are a huge break for women. And so today in this episode, what I really want to focus on is the negative thoughts about sex. Because as a life coach, I teach and we focus so much on the idea that our thoughts create our feelings. And so if I'm thinking negative thoughts about my sexual relationship, then that is going to affect the level of desire that I have. So when I first started my own journey of just kind of learning about myself and learning about what was working for me and what wasn't, I came across four lies that I had believed that were really holding me back, really putting the brakes on my sexual desire. I just want to share with you kind of the, the lies that I started to recognize and the way that I tried to change my thinking around sex and my sexual relationship to improve this. So the first lie was that sex is a need. So I remember a few years ago listening to my very first Jennifer Finlayson Fife podcast. She was a guest on somebody's podcast and I had never heard of her before. If you have never heard of her, find her. She is amazing. And she was in this interview and she said, well, sex is not a need. And I just remember being like, what? And of course, there was a part of me that was like, oh, of course I know this because it isn't a need for me. But isn't, isn't it a need for men? So I just kind of continued listening to what she was saying. But I just remember feeling like I had suddenly been let out of prison because of this thought, oh, sex actually isn't a need. It isn't like I have to have food and water. It isn't about survival. Now, we have been socialized, most of us from a very young age, to believe that men need sex. And our husbands were socialized with the same notion. Boys were socialized with the notion that they needed 
sex. And that when they got married, their wife would take care of that need. And I totally bought into that. I think my husband bought into that. It was just what we had always learned, not necessarily that someone said it specifically. It was just kind of always in the air around me. And so I thought of myself as kind of this, you know, oh, I'm just here to fill that need. I'm here to facilitate whatever he needs to feel okay. But the problem with that is that you have this man who feels entitled to having sex and you have this woman who believes I have a duty here. And so it's a ton of pressure now because it's like, I have to do this because he has a need. And that pressure to show up and take care and be a caretaker in that relationship puts the brakes on so hard. So there are a few ways that you can take that pressure off of the brakes. For me, the first thing that I did was I stopped telling myself that sex was a need. I was like, I am never saying that again. I, I refuse to believe that is true. And I'm never saying that again, and I will not believe that. I now understand that your sexual relationship in your marriage is for thriving, for enhancing that relationship, not for surviving. And that took a ton of pressure off of me. And then I also just started to think more about how both men and women experience sexual desire and that it's desire for everybody. It's not desire for one and a need for another. It's just desire all around. And so I just felt like I was on a little more level playing field with my husband and felt like, oh, this is more about both of us now. The second lie I realized I had believed was that I have to have sex. So of course, the idea that he had sexual need started to feed this thought like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do it. Again, it's that pressure, that, that heavy pressure that you feel around it. Also, I would see, oh, he's grouchy or pouty or sad. I, I have to have sex to take care of this. Trying to manage his emotions and his behavior with sex was something that was happening because I had this thought, I have to do this. I have to take care of this. I, I have had women talk to me in my practice and outside actually of this idea, well, if I don't have sex with him, he's going to look at pornography and feeling like they're so trapped trying to make sure that their husband doesn't look at pornography. And they do that by showing up to have sex with him. But it's not from a place of attraction and desire, but a place of duty. And again, it puts the brakes on heavy for people who feel like, I have to do this. In truth, the key to great sex and increased desire is freedom and sexual autonomy. So here's an example of what I mean. You have this nice young adult couple and they're dating and falling in love and they're committed to keeping the law of chastity. They're not planning to have a sexual relationship before they're married. They're going to wait to have sex, but they do kiss and they make out and the passion is really high. And both of them are just super excited for this opportunity to just go all the way and express this love with one another. And it's going to be so amazing. And then they get married. And it's like this switch goes off 
and the woman's sexual desire suddenly drops. And her husband is super confused, kind of like, what happened? And she's super confused. But what's happened is when she was dating her husband, her sexuality was completely hers to give or to hold back. She had complete sexual freedom and autonomy. But as soon as she got married, both her and her husband had believed that her role was to take care of his sexual needs, and therefore she had to have sex, and suddenly she lost that autonomy, that ability to say, yes, I want to give this to you. It now became, I'm supposed to, or I have to give this to you. And with that decrease of freedom and autonomy, she has a decrease of sexual desire. And this is the story for so many couples. And it can become super exasperated, obviously, because the more she withdraws or the lower her desire goes, the more pressure the husband puts on in desperation to get what he's after. And again, it just keeps them in this cycle of low desire, high desire, back and forth. So a key thing is to just really admit, I never have to have sex. This is mine and I get to choose when I want to give it and when I don't. And you kind of have to take back that autonomy. And honestly, it's not something that happens fast. It's not something that happens easy because it's a super uncomfortable dynamic in your marriage when you kind of stand up and take it back. And not because your husband's a big jerk, but just because both of you were in this dance for so long. And when you change it, it's going to be uncomfortable. But it's so key to desire. There just cannot be high sexual desire without high freedom. And the reality is that many men have the luxury of high freedom in their sexual relationships and many women don't. The third lie that I realized that I believed was the lie that sex is all about him. So obviously, I was socialized before I was married that sex is about men. And I have to tell you, I can't believe how many clients I've had whose mothers on their wedding day were like, the honeymoon's about your husband. That's the advice they were given. This was the mentality of the world around us, is that sex is about men. So as we began to navigate our sexual relationship with each other, I was watching for how this was true. Even though I hated it, I didn't know how to change it. And on one really particularly bad day, I remember distinctly thinking, oh, it is true. This is really all about him. And then because I had chosen to believe that, that became our reality for the next 20 years. Because my brain wanted to be right about it more than it wanted to be happy or connected. And I just did things that created the fact that it was all about him. Even just when I was like, oh, well, I should do this so he's not upset. That was me making it about him. And I just felt so much resentment. And resentment is a huge desire killer. It puts the brakes on so hard. So as I really gained more awareness of, oh, I am making it all about him. I'm the one putting his feelings above my own. I'm the one who's saying I'd rather him be happy and me be upset. I'm the martyr here. When I realized I'm the one creating this, suddenly I was like, oh, I resent him because of me. 
and that's on me. I'm the one who's denying my feelings. I'm the one who's pulling myself out of this sexual relationship. I'm the one who's not standing up and saying, this is what I would like. And I'm the one who resents him because I'm creating it. I just will never forget laying in the darkness of my bedroom late into the night when this realization hit me and deciding right then, I am done resenting my husband. Him and I have created this relationship on what we knew and what we understood. We didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. I haven't known any better. And I can have so much compassion for both of us. And I am going to stop doing things that create resentment in my marriage. I will not do things anymore that I will resent him for later. The last lie that I discovered was really holding back my sexual desire was the lie that I am broken. Now, I will say of all of the lies, this has been the hardest one for me to loosen up inside of my mind. This is the one that I have the most evidence for, that I am most practiced at, that I think I have had beliefs about in other areas of my life. So I have a lot of things to support this idea that there is something wrong with me. I definitely have had to do a lot of work around this thought that I am broken. So it is super easy, obviously, if you are always comparing your sexual desire to your husband's or to other people around you that you think have high desire, it's very easy to believe there is something wrong with you. But again, I've used this quote before because I adore it. Emily Nagoski says, women aren't broken versions of men. They're women. So there isn't anything wrong with us. But when we compare ourselves to men, it's going to feel like there is something wrong with us. And those feelings of shame and hopelessness put a lead foot on those brakes. So here's a few things that really helped me to start to loosen up this idea that maybe, just maybe, I might not be broken. So first of all, what you focus on, you create more of. What you focus on, you see more of, right? If somebody says to you, you know, don't think about a red apple, you have thought about a red apple. You have to start to look for ways that you aren't broken. You have to start questioning, is it possible that I'm normal? Is it possible that I'm okay as I am? And, and start to watch for those kind of evidences instead of continually watching for how you are broken and believing that lie instead. And then also for me was just going back to the idea that when it comes to sexual desire, there is no normal and I am okay as I am. So those were the negative thoughts that I really re was able to pinpoint really early in my journey. Maybe some of them you share with me. Maybe some of them you don't relate with. Totally fine. This applies not just to our sexual relationships as far as breaks and accelerators goes. It applies to any desire you have. I was talking to my daughter the other day about a project she has to do in school and talking about how boring it is, how the teacher makes it so boring, how she doesn't like the subject that she has to do her project on. And all of those thoughts about that project were putting the brakes on and making it really hard for her to have any desire to just go and do the project. 
Whereas at other times, she's had projects that she's really excited about. Her teacher's given her a lot of freedom to do whatever she wants. She feels like she understands the material and it's super easy for her to move towards that goal. So you can apply this in all areas of your life. But if you feel like the brakes are on hard when it comes to your sexual desire, just have so much compassion for yourself and just start to watch and see, oh, I can see how my stress, my anxiety, the things I'm thinking about my sexual relationship, the things I'm thinking about my husband, how all of that's contributing to decreasing my sexual desire. And instead of trying to put your foot on the gas pedal, just start trying to take your foot off of the brake. Because as your foot comes off that brake, the car will start to roll. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelandstephancoaching.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelandstephancoaching.